When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, you can't be doing bad at all uh, during the start of football season and you know, basketball's a month and a half away. Uh, fall's a good time. Doing good. Uh, well, we are racing through your basketball previews. You've done um, almost the entirety of uh, you've done the entirety of the women's basketball in the Pac-12, and you are almost done with the uh, men's basketball side. We're going to talk about two of them today of articles that you've written for the for the site. Um, the uh, second to most recent that you've written um, is Utah. Um, uh, Dana Altman owned uh, poor Larry Kristoviak. Um, Utah finally fired him. Uh, reports are unclear as to whether they fired him because <laughs> the poor dude could never beat Dana Altman. Um, he, uh, he, he couldn't he, like beat much, much of anybody. He was like one of the highest paid coaches in the league and like his record didn't, uh, uh, you know, really match up with that. Um, what do you think about the Utes at this point? Um, yeah, like before we talk about the, the, the next or this upcoming season's version, like, what do you think about the team going up to this point? Well, um, it's hard to say because, you know, we're only, uh, coming in to the third season under coach Smith, um, yeah, he was. Left Has he with, really been there for three years? I thought this was the hey, first year. No, no, no. Oh man. Yeah, this is uh, third season. He looks like Dollar Store Mick Cronin. Is I think <laughs> sort of the issue. Like I might have had him mixed up with Mick Cronin. Is right. Kind of the deal. Yeah, and and he was uh, left with a really a mixed bag. So this has been a rebuilding project for Smith and. Um, and last year, uh, you know, it, like I'd said in, in my article, Utah was projected to place 11th in the Pac-12 standings mm-hmm. and, and they didn't, they were actually winning some games. It was on the strength of some really good defense, but mm-hmm. they were getting some okay, uh, offensive production from their starters um, as far as, um, you know, game starts, they stuck with, um, pretty much the, the same rotation of six players. Um, well, but that sort of, it gets messed up cause they had a bunch of injuries to their starters. Right. 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 In, in, uh, the early part of, um, February, they had, um, the, Injury to uh, Madsen, and then a couple of weeks later, is uh, Raleigh Worcester mm-hmm. uh, was injured, and 
and they struggled. Yeah. Because uh, outside of those five or six guys, the uh, rest of the team wasn't able to produce and they kind of fell in the, in the PAC 12 standings and uh, you know, struggled because the, um, Utah does have some pretty good producers, but they have this huge drop off once you get away from the starters. So yeah, yeah, they can, they can't afford to be injured like that. And yeah, yeah it's right, so sort of well. you know standard story with teams that you know aren't top of the league in in, in recruiting is like you know they they they'll they'll eventually find you know through development some players who are like okay you're a diamond in the rough but you can't you don't have eleven diamonds in the rough it just doesn't work that way right well we've kind of seen that with with Oregon the past couple of seasons too and they get into enough injury trouble and then the the bench players have a hard time uh, mm. making up for it i think there's we're there's uh not too many teams outside of the top echelon where um that's not going to be the case so. uh i mean there are teams that can handle loss of starters better than others you oh know. yeah 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 um exactly but not so- Utah. <laughs> looking at 2023 you know what are what are they look at or do they get their injured starters back um yes they did they they returned um all their major starters except for uh uh marco anthony was a, a fifth year uh senior and mm-hmm. he was a, a graduate um player and then uh um, Lazar Stefanovic um, transferred to UCLA, and um, that's it's kind of a, a drag. Stefanovic was the the third highest producer offensively on the team, and um, so losing him to um, UCLA um, meant that uh, that. Utah had to go to the portal to try to um, get some experience to supplant the freshman class that they're bringing but, in. But Madsen and Worcester, the starters who they were like really missing, both of those guys like returned to the roster. So like yep. in a right, so like in a sense, you know. The you know their their team is actually sort of substantially improving compared to late season, you know Utah from last year, right? You know, and that they have yeah. like proven guys who fit with this team that they didn't have access to last year. Right. The biggest thing in Utah's favor was their best player, um, Brandon Carlson. Yeah, you know, initially tested the waters the NBA to mm-hmm. you know see what was there. He decided to against entering the draft and so he's back and the uh the this youth team really revolves around uh carlson yeah he he's a, a tall forward responsible for most of their output uh uh responsible for a lot of their um defensive poise especially inside and uh, and so, yeah, it was really good news for the Utes that they got their best player back. And so him, along with uh, Madsen and Worcester, um, 
and Ben Carlson means that, that you still have uh, essentially the the core of your um, starting five there. Yeah, and and so you, it, I mean, it's not like it, it's, it's not like lar- the cupboard's bare. They ha- they have some to work with. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's largely last year's team. You know, almost. You know, they, they they brought in a bunch of freshmen, but I mean, at the talent level that they recruit, I don't it doesn't really look like any of the freshmen that they took are like, you know, knock any but any starters out of their jobs, you know. Or, no. Yeah. So, you know, then the, the only question is, like, if the if the it, you know, setting aside the injury issue, if the reason why this team, you know, wasn't looking like they were going to break into like the top third of the conference, even before they got injured was because their offense wasn't matching their defense. You know, they were like, this. Mm-hmm. you know, they were like this stonewall team on defense and they were like the stone hands team on offense. Right. Like then the only way out of that problem, other than sort of maturing into being great shooters which like spoiler alert that never happens um <laughs> like the only the, the only answer is that you replace you know the one or two guys who left with like a hot shot transfer portal you know shooter mm-hmm. they get them a hot shot transfer portal shooter uh <laughs> my eyes don't say so mm-hmm. and they have uh some they players got a player have, from what Salt Lake Community College. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh-huh. so, I mean, he's he's got some okay stats, but this is a you know community college player. They uh, signed uh, Lawson Lovering from Colorado. Oh, he averaged uh, almost five points a game. Yeah, he was a right. center, right? He was a you know, big yeah. center who got five points a game. Yeah, uh-huh. and. And yeah, that's the that's the thing that that you know, even though he shot over fifty five percent, yeah, and was and started, he's still only pulling in a, yeah. under five rebounds a game, uh, under you know five points a game. It's a you know it's yeah. a it, that's he's not jumping off the page at you. Oh, and he got a, uh, they got a starter from Washington. I see yes. from your article, which means like uh, Mike Hopkins got his hands all over him, so th- he's going to be worthless. Um, I mean, not as a human being, but like just as a basketball player, obviously. Um, right. Well, for for being a starter, his his stats don't jump out at you either. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he he's okay. I mean, he, he he's okay as a three point shooter, but uh, yeah. It, Sure. I mean, uh, well, his his accuracy rate, although his actual points per game, like with the, with an accuracy rate over thirty three percent from the three point arc, he should be scoring more than eight point eight points per game. You know, that means he's not hoisting it up enough, right? That yeah. means like Hopkins was neither giving him license to hoist it up enough, or he wasn't confident enough to do it, despite the fact that his hands were putting it through. Which means something's wrong. Um, yeah. And with the minutes per game that he's getting and starting 31 games means there's something wrong. Um, yeah. What else? A Georgia Tech player. Boy, they took a lot of yep. transfers from power programs who don't like score points. Um, right. This is right. like the and... opposite of what they need here. <laughs> like, what? Come on, dude. Exactly. Like, Devin Smith is, is the same thing. It starts in. Um, they took a bunch of defensive players. Points. The, yeah. They're filled. They're filled yeah. up with defensive players, and they took more defensive players. Like, uh-huh. oh my! You encounter this all the time. 
it's like a coach like they get a mindset of like the type of dude that they need and then they, they like fill up on it and it like it never occurs to them that like you need to play against type dude you need to complete your team all right yeah okay right. so i'm predicting seventh place again let's uh take a break oh i was i was kind of predicting 11th place i Oh really? I, I, yeah, I I don't see especially well, wasn't eleventh place a product of injuries. Are you pre- predicting them to get hurt again? Uh, no, they were projected um, in the preseason media poll last year to be in eleventh place. I'm well, but the media that, was wrong. Like, yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where the media puts them. I, I think they're going to be in the bottom third. All right. I would protect project better than that because like, you know, defense will get you something like the teams on the bottom of the pack 12 are teams that can't, you know, play defense either. Um, mm-hmm. So seventh feels about right to me. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We come back, about we'll talk about USC basketball. So on the other hand, there is a team in the conference that did get a bunch of talent and probably can shoot the ball, and that's the Trojans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Trojans have been pretty good the past few seasons, the past uh, four seasons. Um, as I said in my article, they were probably a shoo-in to get into the NCAA tournament in 2020, had there been one. Yeah, right. There wasn't, but they've been in the uh, NCAA tournament in the past three seasons in a row. And there's really no reason to believe that that's not going to be the case again. Um, it's some um, pretty good starters. They were led by uh, Boogie Ellis, mm-hmm. who, who averaged almost 18 points a game. And, um, and their uh, second highest, um, offensive, uh, player was Drew Peterson, uh, at almost 14 points a game. Um, Utah as, as a team shot really well uh, as a team. They, you mean they USC, just, right? Yeah. Yeah. USC, um, shot really well as a, yeah. As a team, defended well, and uh, I, I was surprised at how tough they are at home. Uh, to oh me. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, considering like you know who's showing up to a USC basketball game, like yeah, their home record is excellent. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I think the the only Pac-12 team they lost to was UCLA, mm. and um. You know, it's a it's a good team. It's a good shooting team. They return uh, three of their starters from last season. Um, they had a couple of transfers. Yeah, and um, uh, I suppose that's going to happen, especially based on what they were bringing in for a recruiting class. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's in this modern era, it's the way to do it is you bring in like a ton of talented dudes, so many talented dudes that the guys who are actually really talented or, or like, you know, pass the test, you know, like become your starters and the guys who are like just 
pretty talented, like wind up transferring to the San Diego States, uh, you know, of the world. Uh, like, and then you repeat the process with a bunch of new dudes, like who are movers and shakers. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's how you do yeah. it. And, uh, and USC managed on both the men's and women's uh, side, they managed to snag the number one recruit in the country. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the men had uh, another five-star, maybe not consensus, but another five-star, and then a couple of four-stars to go with that. They had the uh, number four recruiting class in 2023. Yeah. So. I mean, they had, it was really scary, you know, like Bronny James, uh, LeBron James' son, you know, uh, commits to USC and then has like a really scary, he was like, you know, a heart thing or something he, like passed out in practice. Um, yeah. Yeah. He had a, um, he had a cardiac arrest. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah, it was based on, uh, I believe, um, Oh, I don't know where the, the term where the, the heart beats irregularly. Mm. But, um, as I said, in my article, I read an, uh, uh, an article a few weeks ago that, uh, said that the doctors had um, a lot of optimism that uh, not only it is going to be cured now that they know what the situation is, but yeah, we we could see him play uh, a little bit later on in the year. You know, the here's the bond. First of all, we're we're all praying for his health, and and I'm sure everybody wishes him well. Um, the 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 crazy thing is, you know, with with a, a young man of his talent and of his bloodlines uh, and the hype that he brings to the program, you know, 99 teams out of a hundred in America, it, his return to play at uh, would be essential, would be essential to the program, both like on the court and what he represents, you know, to the program, to mm-hmm. it's, you know, to, to making headlines, to getting attention, you know, to, to drawing fans into the seats, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, everything that he represent and then, you know, and then also putting the ball in the basket, you know, um, sure. the, the bonkers thing about where Andy Enfield's got his program at is that like, Bronny James could like take the season off at, at USC and like USC would be just fine. Yeah. Like that's the it, level of talent that's in, at the program. That's the level of like, you know, how much hype is going on. That's how much like USC recruits itself. That's how much, you know, the fans show up and that they win at home. Like yeah, LeBron would, James son could sit out the season and it would have no negative impact on, on the team other than, you know, us being sad that, that he wouldn't, you know, play and his health would be negatively impacted. Of course. Uh, that's, that's where Andy Enfield's got his program at. Right. He's, he's brought in some, uh, incredible talent. Um, it, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange situation where the, the number one recruit in the country that you recruited kind of gets outshined by a, a four star, maybe a five star, uh, just because he's LeBron's son. And yeah, that, that's a, a crazy situation to, to be in. But, um, um, but Enfield has brought in uh, some really good talent 
and he didn't we'll, have a we'll name them. Go through them, man. Oh, I mean, these are freshmen well, yeah, who are probably going to play. You know, because yeah. like that's what their talent level is. Yeah, they are. Um, one is Arrington Page. He's a four star from Georgia, and uh, he was ranked as the number forty overall recruit uh, on ESPN.com. Um, so you have number one, you have number 40. Um, they brought in another four star from Georgia. Um, it's a six, eight forward Brandon Gardner. And he played prep ball in, in New York city. And then of course the, the number one recruit in the country in Isaiah, Isaiah Collier. He's a six, five guard. He's a McDonald's all American. And there's about a dozen other, uh, honors that go along with being the number one recruit. And so this, uh, this class of, um, three or four, four stars and one or two, five stars means you have the number four class in the country. And, um, these guys, so uh, these, and on top of that, time. it's not just LeBron James son. It's also <laughs> yeah. DJ Rodman, they, you know, Dennis Rodman's son, right. who's, you know, at <laughs> Wazoo and, you know, not like he's been lighting the world on fire, but he's planning on transferring to USC. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the one transfer that you decide to get is Dennis Rodman's son. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, LA has some star power. <laughs> yeah. And so but anyway, the, uh, but, um, but Dennis Rodman, um, he hasn't been doing badly, um, you know, with, with the Cougars, he's been kind of, his stats have been steadily improving and it, it's the kind of thing that you and I have talked about before where, where, you know, you look for the progress year to year on a highly ranked recruit and um, with the ones that pan out, you, you see that the upward trajectory. Well, sure. it, yeah, you, you see that with Rodman as well. And, you know, he may be depth on the bench. Um, but I think, yeah, even as a six or seventh player, uh, he'll be productive. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's hard not to protect project this team as, you know, one of the top three teams in the league simply because, I mean, just look at the, it was already a pretty good team. They return, you know, several of their productive starters, uh, the, their, their losses are fairly manageable. They were recruited, you know, very well with guys who can play right away. Um, you know, or at least that's, you know, the, the expectation and enough of them so that you can do that, you know, the filtration process where, uh, you know, who, whoever, you know, you, you don't have to be stuck with, well, we only got one guy who's really good. So we're banking everything on this one dude and just like crossing our fingers that he doesn't turn out to stink. Um, you know, because like, guess what rule of thirds, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, that's why you go and you get like six of them. Um, 
And like, that's what he did. So it's like, yeah, you play the percentages and, you know, there's no reason to expect that this team, you know, wouldn't wind up, uh, uh, you know, at the top. Now, you know, the question is how far, you know, so, yeah, sure. right. The, the only question is like, how far can they go? Because they sort of like stumbled every time they made it to the tournament. Um you know, like, you know, they, they go out in games against teams that are like, boy, USC sh- maybe should have beat them. Um, But like, hey, man, making it to the tournament is better than just about, you know, m- most teams can say, you know, <laughs> so right. like, like <laughs> that, that's sort of, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's sort of the expectation for this team, given their talent level, you know, you'd expect, you know, that like, I, I honestly, I'm not really sure how good of a coach, you know, Andy Enfield is, uh, you, you know, I, 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 you know, he certainly, he's a good roster manager, uh, you know, and like, you can't just say USC recruits itself because for like 30 years, USC did not recruit itself. It was like crazy that USC Mm -hmm. just like had no talent on their basketball team. Like they didn't care about it. And like, he definitely like changed that, um, to the point where this is sort of like a self-perpetuating machine at this point. And, you know, the question is like, is he a plus value as a coach, you know, in terms of like squeezing out anything extra? Like, I don't know if he does or not. Um, uh, but you know, that only matters maybe like five games a year. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, USC is going to be, uh, um, interesting team to keep tabs on this year to see Certainly. how, uh, all this talent pans out. All right, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about some Hawaii football. So uh, the Ducks play host to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors on Saturday. Uh, My article previewing them uh, will be up uh, just about the same time you're listening to this podcast. I... um, uh, I reviewed their 2022 film and actually, interestingly, I also reviewed the, their offense of their 2021 film because Oregon's offensive line coach, Alik Terry, um, was Hawaii's offensive line coach in 2021. Um, the story of Hawaii football in recent years is kind of a, uh, it's an up and down one. Um, Todd Graham, who used to be Arizona state's coach among other uh, teams, um, uh, wound up there. Um, and, uh, for, for, I think he was there for two seasons, 2020 and 2021 on a five-year contract. Um, but he wound up resigning, I think officially resigning, but they were probably going to ask him to leave if he didn't, um, uh, at the end of the 2021 season, um, be like, it was just a, it was a horror show, man. Like, and, and uh, in doing that film study on their offense for for watching Elite Terry's offensive line, um, boy, it was really clear on film how bad that team was. Um, not just like a bad team, but like they did not want to play for him. And then like after, you know, after the resignation and like all of that staff leaves, uh, Terry winds up getting a, a job as an assistant in the NFL for that year, the 2022 year before Dan Laning hires him um to to be Oregon's offensive line coach in 2023 um uh anyway like and by the way if anybody recalls my the article that I wrote about uh that I actually thought that Hawaii's offensive line in 2021 was like the one bright spot on the team um like I think that Terry actually all things considered did a pretty good job on what was otherwise like a very like 
badly run team. Like Todd Graham had his son, Bo Graham running the offense and Bo Graham, like it was a total nepotism thing. Like that dude, you know, that was like Brian Ferentz at Iowa kind of like level bad, like dude doesn't know what he's doing at all. Um, yeah. It's really hard to believe just how toxic the environment was over there. Yeah. And, and incredible. And like, I didn't, I didn't link to it in this article that I wrote previewing Hawaii, but I linked to my preview of, or I linked to my article about Alik Terry and in my article about, boy, this sounds like a stoner sentence. Uh, In my article, I linked to another article. And then in that article, that links to a third article. And in that article, it's got a bunch of like the, the, like, it's the after action report that was uh, written up, I think, in the advertiser. Um, that's like where they like interview players and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like all the allegations of like player mistreatment come out. And it's like bad. Like it's really bad. It's like one of the most toxic environments that I think I've ever read about in a football team. And like I can tell you from watching the film on that Hawaii team in 2021, it's like. Those, I mean, it wasn't just like a badly coached team where like the offense, like it had like three plays, like it was so bad, like, you know, schematically um, and like analytically, like they didn't, they they, they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do or what they did well, uh, you know, in order to emphasize it and de-emphasize the bad plays and like they they were predictable and like all the like normal when I'm watching a, a coach who doesn't know what he's doing stuff, but then like all the mistreatment stuff. And then the other thing is like, look, man, you know, when I, when I'm, one of the things that I have to do when I'm doing film study is be able to identify when garbage time has started. Um, right. Like you can't just apply mm-hmm. like a simple mathematical algorithm, although like advanced stats formulas try to do it cause they're not watching film. They're just doing it from the box score. Um, sure. but I get to watch film and I'm like, I can precisely identify when garbage time starts. And one of the ways that you do it is that, I mean, you can see it like you just human to human. You can see it. You can see it in body language. You can see it in effort level. You can see it in exhaustion and, and, and uh, like you can, you know it when you see it, even a, a total rank amateur who's never watched a football game in their life could see it. The difference between, you know, when they're playing hard at the beginning of the game and when they've sort of given up. Um, and like, man, it was hard to do that Hawaii film study in 2021 because it was like, they'd give up a a touchdown on the opening drive and it would be owed zero to seven, you know, not normally a time when I would say, okay, garbage time has begun. And like all of my indicators would be going off about like, (laughs) these guys have quit already, you know, they're done they don't want to play anymore. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I man. should not be wanting to start the garbage time clock like at 0 to 7. You know, this is bad. Um, yeah. Like, so anyway, this has been a very long introduction of like how bad Todd Graham just screwed that program over. So he leaves. He takes and like the entire rest of the staff goes with him, except for one dude um, um, uh, uh, who's the longtime linebackers coach um, who uh, um, who who gets promoted to uh, a defensive coordinator. Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Unfortunately, Yoro, I think. Uh, Gosh, I feel bad about this. Um, Anyway, he. uh, 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 yeah, Euro, Euro. Um, he, he sticks around. He actually predates Graham. So like he's been around forever. Uh, he, he's, uh, but anyway, Hawaii hires, uh, uh, Timmy Chang to, to be their coach, which sort of at the time, 
I guess you might be able to criticize a sort of this desperation move because like when you hire one of your legends, it sort of it, it kind of looks like you're not hiring the best dude. You're just hiring a dude who will like it's like a security blanket kind of deal. But like, look, man, I've now watched that Hawaii 2022 film and like his players want to play for him like it is night and day difference. Um, yeah, I like, think it's got the same vibe as Oregon State. You know, in a way, it's it's it, way more. It's way more. Like way more. Like I mean, like Jonathan Smith. Like I, I could talk for a long time about Jonathan Smith, but like the difference between how much because it's like. I mean, I guess guys didn't want to play for the guy who preceded Jonathan Smith. Now that I think about <laughs> no, it, like it's true. But like I, I don't know how like toxic that dude was. Todd Graham was to- like they, they are talking about like serious player mistreatment allegations. And like on the other hand, when I watch this film of Hawaii, like I am watching dudes like play through and beyond the whistle. Like I am watching a defense that like look, we're not talking about the most talented dudes in the world here, but they are making up for it with want to. And you know me, Badwater, like I am not like, like, that's not how I write about film, you know, like I'm a very analytically, you know, oriented person like i want to i don't want to write about like psychology stuff like that's it's way too easy of an out i usually hate most journalists who like only want to talk about that stuff and don't want to like get into the numbers uh it's just like too easy of an out and so when you hear me you know talking about that stuff you should take that as a signal like it's it's super clear on film that these dudes want to play for timmy chang Mm -hmm. yeah well it's kind of like you know garbage time you 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 just said that sometimes you have to take visual cues for when garbage time starts, and it sounds to me like that this is the the kind of the same thing. It's yeah. the the visuals behind the numbers yeah. you're looking at. It just it's super clear. So anyway, uh, let me let me talk about structure. Um, so on offense, well, let me, a little bit of history for those who are not quite aware. Um, the the uh, 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 the coach back in the 90s, early 2000s at Hawaii was June Jones. June Jones was himself a former quarterback at Hawaii. He was also a former quarterback at Oregon and at Portland State. Um, while he was at Portland State, uh, he um, was uh, uh, encountered a man named Mouse Davis. Mouse is not his given name, um, who actually I'm personally acquainted with, uh, but I'm not going to tell that story. Uh, Mouse Davis is one of the originators of an offense called the run and shoot. The run and shoot is a fascinating offensive system, which has an important place in the history and record books of uh, college and professional football. In fact, many standing NCAA and NFL records are held by run and shoot quarterbacks. In fact, several of those records are held by Timmy Chang because Mm -hmm. June Jones implements uh, the run and shoot at Hawaii and Timmy Chang shatters passing records running the run and shoot. Now, uh, a little more background. It's not going to be relevant, but I'll tell it anyway. The run in run and shoot does not refer to um, like rushing. It refers to like a quarterback rolling out to one side of the field. It like looks like backyard football. Um, if anybody's played backyard football, where you like don't really trust your offensive line, you know, <laughs> you just sort of roll out. Um, anyway, run and shoot concepts is sort of like 
many of the concepts in the run and shoot have permeated college football, uh, modern college football and spread offenses, choice routes, uh, four verts, a few other things to the point where like in some ways the DNA of the run and shoot offense is sort of disseminated throughout uh, college football and has become like almost like indistinguishable from modern spread offenses. Um, However, there are other like still very recognizable aspects to uh, run and shoot offenses. And that's why uh, when I say the following, I'm very certain uh, of it. If Hawaii or Hawaii fans or commentators about Hawaii football ever tell you that Timmy Chang at Hawaii in 2022 and 2023 is has revived the run and shoot and is running that offense today. They're not telling you the truth, like, um, or at least that that's not accurate of them. Maybe trying to tell you the truth but they're failing to do so uh because this ain't the run and shoot um it, it's just not like it doesn't have any of the recognizable staples of the run and shoot it doesn't have quarterback rollouts it doesn't have motions it doesn't really have choice routes except to the extent that like every offense sort of has choice routes now um it's really more than anything else the system that Chang probably picked up while he was the receivers coach at Nevada for five years, uh, the five years prior from 2017 to 2021 um, under Jay Norvell. Don't mix him up with Mike Norvell, who is uh, Florida State's coach, uh, previously Memphis's coach, where he was the mentor of Kenny Dillingham. Lots of connections, although that's not a connection. They just happened to share a last name, um, but they're not related. It's just a coincidence. Anyway, uh, anyway. Jay Norvell doesn't even run that offense. He hired Matt Mummy. Matt Mummy is Hal Mummy's son. Hal Mummy originated the, or was one of the originators, along with Mike Leach and a couple other guys, of the uh, air raid. Um, Matt Mummy comes to Nevada. N at Nevada, you can't do anything except for run the pistol offense because Chris Alt invented the Chris the pistol offense at Nevada. He is a Hall of Fame coach with like 200 wins under his belt. It's crazy. Um, so uh, Matt Mummy sort of marries the air raid passing concepts with uh, with the pistol offense. Um, another dude who does that is Nick Rolovich, who winds up at Hawaii. Who's the first guy who is a former Nevada assistant who's running the pistol offense with some air raid concepts, who calls it the run and shoot, but is lying. And then he brings <laughs> that to to he brings that to wazoo tells everybody it's the run and shoot and then i'm doing film study and i'm just like this ain't the run and shoot dude this is the pistol offense but with mm. you know air raid you know passing free <laughs> and then i flip on the hawaii 2022 film thinking oh boy this time it'll be the run and shoot because it's timmy chang this time for real i'm gonna get to watch some more run and shoot and my buddy mouse davis will be proud of me for understanding this and but no it's the same old you know it's the it's the pistol offense, you know, again. So, it, it, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. Like, I'm not really complaining. It's not like one is superior or inferior to the other. Um, when I say that the run and shoot offense broke passing records, like they broke passing records. It didn't break like overall. It doesn't mean it's not good. One like, you know, Super Bowls or anything. Nick Saban solved it at Michigan State like uh 
I'm not saying that like, oh boy, they ought to be running it. I'm just saying I wanted to see it and I haven't. I'm sad because like it's cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm just seeing the pistol, which like lots of people run. Chris Peterson was running it at Boise State and and for quite some time at Washington. Um, hell, yeah. uh, uh, Marcus Arroyo was running it. Um, like I've seen the pistol. You know, what's actually weird is they don't even run it out of the pistol that much. They run the pistol offense, but out of the shotgun. Uh, all right. Never mind. Yeah. I'm getting really <laughs> deep into this. Anyway, you can just watch the film clips of my article to see it. Effectively, here's the deal about Hawaii in 2022 and 2023. They got a quarterback who's got an arm. His name is Shager. Um, they got a couple of receivers who can who are like tall and lanky and who can run it deep. And, the, and, and they played a couple of teams in Vanderbilt and, uh, and Stanford who have a bad defensive backs. I mean, like low three stars and walk-ons who can't cover those dudes, particularly number 86, uh, Ashlock um, is his name. Uh, I forget his first name because I only think guys by their numbers and last names. Pafele is his first name. Pafele Ashlock, number 86. Um, they have another guy, number seven, uh, Stephen McBride, who's used more on sort of intermediate. He's an outside receiver, but they break him in. But he can also go deep. Those are their two primary receivers. Uh, number 86, Pafele Ashlock. Number seven, Stephen McBride. Those guys are pretty good. Um, they target them a lot. They get behind the defense. They get big yards. Um, that's the only weapon they have, frankly. Um, and it's not schematically um, be, because like schematically this, this is a, you know, it's not a bad offense. It's just like, it's nothing that you haven't seen before a million times. If you've been watching college football. Um, and it's just that like, they just throw it a lot. They, they pass on a three to one basis. Um, uh, they really only run the ball um, or, or they only, they only flip their, the only situation in they flip in which they flip over and have a preference for running the ball is the obvious, you know, short, you know, second and one, you know, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they're passing the ball on like a three to one basis. Um, problem is they're not very efficient, you know, at passing the ball. Um, the offensive line can't protect very well. And so they take a bunch of sacks, like an insane number of sacks. In fact, crazily, they took a, even more sacks than they took in their FBS games against last week against their FCS opponent, Albany. They took five sacks. Um, it was nuts. Like actually their sack scramble throwaway per dropback number, which is uh, my havoc rate. The, the My <laughs> version of the havoc rate stat is sack scramble throwaway divided by dropback. Um, which I'm able to calculate because I can separate out dropbacks from screens. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm able to calculate scrambles separated from quarterback runs and other things. Anyway, I can calculate, have a great precisely uh, uh, from doing film study, but I can't do it when I can't watch the film. And I couldn't watch the film on the FCS game because it was locked behind local pay-per-view in Hawaii. And like, uh, not to dox myself, mm -hmm. I don't live in Hawaii. Um, Anyway, the uh, so I haven't watched that game, so I can't like actually do it. But even when I use the most generous interpretations of the play by play, even when I use the most generous interpretations of the play by play for the havoc rate stat, just the sack numbers alone that they took increased their havoc rate to like 30%, like 30 per, you know, and if I took the least generous version, it would increase their havoc rate to like 35%, like just bonkers, like how, how poorly their offensive line pass protects. Um, so how much was that, that an increase over the Stanford game? 
they they played two. They played Vanderbilt and Stanford because they played Vanderbilt mm-hmm. in week zero. Um, so this, the Vanderbilt and Stanford game combined their havoc rate or havoc allowed rate, I guess I should say, um, it was 25%. The generous interpretation uh, of the uh, uh, of the Albany game included raises it to thirty percent. The least generous interpretation of the Albany game raises it to thirty five percent. All of those are insane numbers. Twenty five percent is an insane number. Thirty five percent is like, are you kidding me? More than one out of three snaps, the quarterback is running for his life or on the ground. One out of three snaps. <laughs> you know so that's bad like and that's you know really the reason why they're super inefficient um however they can be explosive because they can throw to ashlock and mcbride or at least they could against the like not real talented uh, defensive backs that vanderbilt and stanford had um or have um i i assume they're still on the team they haven't been like their scholarships pulled i didn't see the injuries I but i don't follow uh, anyway um so, well, I'm going to have to write up Stanford in a couple of weeks here. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, 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 so, yeah, that's their offense. Oh, well, I'm not done with their offense. Uh, I almost am, though, which is that they <laughs> technically have a running game, except they don't really have a running game. This is maybe the worst rushing offense I've ever seen. Um like, I mean, number one, they just don't run the ball very often, like, which I guess is to their credit because they do it so poorly. Like, um, uh, and number two is they do it really poorly. Like, oh my God, do they do it poorly? <laughs> like they, they are against Stanford and, uh, and Vanderbilt, uh, they, they were averaging, um, uh, uh, 2.37 yards per carry on designed runs, which is like, let me repeat that 2.37 yards per carry on designed runs. Well, like you, well. like you shouldn't even be running the ball at all. Like, I mean, that's like, like that's insane. Um, I, and then when, you know, including the Albany data, like it only raised their number to 3.47 yards per carry. And like, I, I can't really like fix that cause I wasn't able to watch the film, but like, that's what the most generous interpretation, like the most generous interpretation raised it to with an FCS game included raised it to 3.47, which is like, you've got to be kidding me, man. And like, this wasn't a good run team in 2022 and it wasn't really a good run team in 2021. Cause remember I watched that for Alik Terry's offensive line and like it's mm-hmm. worse so far in 2023. Um, it's like, and I like, I don't really understand why, like, I, I, I can't explain it. Um, yeah, I, it's just, I, I don't think that Hines, their running back, actually I have two dudes named Hines, Tylen Hines, uh, their running back is like bad. Like, it's not like I, I see him making stupid choices. He's just like, they hired a, a, an air raid offensive coordinator from Eastern Washington. Uh, Sheffield is his name. Um, and actually he was the quarterback's coach for the, not the, not the quarterback that Oregon played it from Eastern Washington in 2022, the good one from 2021, the, the year prior, the dude who was like, like won a bunch of awards. Like he was that dude's quarterbacks coach. So like he knows how to coach quarterbacks, but like we have no idea if he knows how to design a run game. And in fact, there's going to be some clips in my article about like, I don't think this run play makes any sense. So like, maybe that's the problem. Like maybe he's designing run plays that are just like, 
what is this shit? Uh, so anyway, they they like have no run game. And in fact, even Vanderbilt in week zero, when they had no film at all, um, figured this out by by midway through the second quarter that like they could stop uh, Hawaii's rushing offense by just putting like five dudes in the box. And, and then just backing out everybody else and playing mm-hmm. pass defense, which is like, that's the appropriate thing to do. Like you can, you don't even have to put dudes in the B gaps to stop, to stop this rushing uh, offense. Like you can, you can just put like a nose tackle and like a linebacker in, and that's enough. Uh, and have everybody else play the pass. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a uh, Hawaii's offense is going to be fairly pedestrian. Well, against the, it, it's going to be, it's going to, it will probably, I mean, I hate making predictions as you know, because there are like intervening actors that I can't control, but like, I would probably guess that it'll do nothing, 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 nothing. And then they'll hit a deep shot and Oregon mm-hmm. fans will be biting the pillow. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Panic. <laughs> Just like absolute freak out. But it's like, look, man, occasionally hitting the deep shot is the only knife they have in the drawer. Like, and it's like, the, they're just going to keep going back to it. That's the other thing that I do note about Shager. He's got a pretty cool head. You know, he doesn't freak out. And like the, the thing that I noticed about Chang or Sheffield or whoever it is, who's like infusing this, the team with this like confidence and boldness is that like, they don't really panic or get down. You know, they're, they're just like, yeah, like I I don't care if we're ball- like against Stanford, they they got down, but they they were like playing through to the final whistle. That's why I spent so much time talking about like team culture and how much they wanted to play for him. Is that like they just kept throwing the ball deep and playing hard defense? I'm about to start talking about the defense, but like they just kept going at Stanford. They just mm-hmm. kept going. Like they only lost to Vanderbilt by one score, and they kept going at Stanford like a mad dog. Uh, the entire game, even though they were losing to him, you know, and throwing the ball deep and and being aggressive and like, look, man, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I, you know, like I said, there are intervening actors I don't control, but like, I, it, it'll probably happen that they'll hit some deep shots against Oregon because it's the only thing they got and they know it and. And they're just going to do it. They're going to try it over and over and over again. And eventually one of them will get through and Oregon fans are going to be like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just saying like, well, be ready. Just let know that that's what's yeah. coming. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of defense, how, how do you expect their defense to do against Bo Nicks and company? I mean, I don't know the, let me circle back to, to, to how were they going to perform by first telling you how they have, performed so far which is it is interesting to me so in 2022 this is one of the worst graded defenses in the country it was like 122nd in f plus and i watched that film and they weren't very good and like this is with timmy chang you know and this is with dc euro you know they they like those guys um and it's basically the same defense like they didn't really change the personnel that much um between 2022 and 2023 and yet i must say when i have been watching their film so far um in, against vanderbilt and against stanford and yes those are nerdy schools with potentially not very good offenses i'm not quite sure yet i I'll put a pin in that i'm going to come back to that issue they're playing pretty hard and I thought they were playing pretty sound 
you know, assignment sound football. I have to say, I felt my, I found myself like appreciating that they were playing football. The, this is going to sound corny. They were playing football the right way. You know, I I wasn't seeing them play like out of their gaps or, you know, like bad assignment foot. Like I see so many teams playing like bad assignment football, like get super aggressive and run the wrong way. Like I've been getting a little ahead and doing some Colorado film studies. So look a little spoiler alert. That's a team defensively that has some talent that then runs themselves out of the play. You know, I don't see Hawaii really running themselves out of the play. You know, I don't see them make dumb mistakes. You know, I see them just like line up on the line. They run like a, a pretty traditional four, three, which they then shift mm-hmm. into a nickel when the opponent goes into a lighter configuration, like 11 personnel, which given the teams that they've been playing are in 11 personnel, about 60% of the time means that they're in nickel about 60% of the time, but that's the offense's choice. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. they, they were, they just like pull the Sam for a nickel, which like, yeah, that's how you do it. Uh, anyway, the, uh, Look, man, I just like I I think this team like knows what it is. I I keep going back to the psychological stuff, and I know that sounds a little fluffier than I normally talk about. But I just have to say, like, I I just like appreciate the way that they play. Like, they they don't they don't do dumb stuff. They don't beat themselves. They don't you know, they just line up and play, you know, football correctly. They know what their assignments are and they do it right. And when they get beat, it's because they got beat. You know, it's because the other the player across from them made a more athletic play or was a more talented dude or a bigger dude or a faster dude Mm -hmm. you know not because he was uh smarter than him or knew his assignment better or because the hawaii player made a, a stupid mistake um well i mean occasionally that happens they are kids but you know not that often um or, or, or because he was trying to be a hot shot or because they committed a really stupid penalty or, you know, any of the things that I hate seeing when I watch, like I didn't want find myself watching the Hawaii film and like throwing stuff at the screen going like, oh, boy, I hate watching this. You know, I found myself going like, boy, this is well, you know, competently coached team with, you know, competent players who know what they're supposed to be doing. And when they lose it's because they lost, not because they beat themselves. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. And you know what the result of that is? It was like, cra- this is the craziest thing about it like crazy thing my whole article every one of the numbers that i collected for them is perfectly average perfectly they are it was in pass defense 36 wins 36 losses in rush defense 24 wins 24 losses like perfectly 50 50 efficiency rates right um uh yards per uh, uh pass attempt allowed uh 7.3 which is almost perfectly average yards per rush allowed 4.15 almost perfectly average um wow. uh, uh explosive plays uh, allowed 15% perfectly average like Every one of these numbers, perfectly wow. average for the FBS. It's like crazy, which is like, yeah, that's what happens when you win on half of your plays and lose on half of your plays because you got beat on half of that your plays and you beat the opponent on half of your plays. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. now there is one thing. There is one split. Here's what the split is. Um, they're, they're in explosive play defense. They're good in rush defense um they, they limit the opponent to only uh 10 and a half percent of of opponent runs gain 10 plus yards which is good it indicates that they are stopping explosive runs better than average however 
explosive pass defense, they are allowing 17.8% of opponent passes to gain 15 plus yards. That's worse than average. The reason the through line that I can detect is when pressure doesn't get home, which, you know, what happens about half the time, um, you know, nothing unusual about that. The here's where the problem is their linebackers and their safeties are, uh, not great in coverage. Um, they're, they're just not, you know, like I kind of like them. Oh, oh, and they also have a problem where, um, one of their starting linebackers, number 16, uh, uh, Taylor, um, he tore his ACL. Unfortunately, he's going to miss the rest of the season. They, they have a backup. Yeah, it does suck. They have a a backup who's played a bit. Number three, um, named Smith, uh, Jalen Smith, I think, um, who I think is going to be able to slot in for him. And, um, so, so they're not like totally bereft, but like, um, it does suck. He was their leading tackler in, 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 pretty good but anyway uh anyway their 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 linebackers are not great in coverage and their safeties are really problematic they're they're, they're free safety and they're, they're they're starting free safety and they're starting boundary safety um i i won't name them in this podcast because i sort of called them out already but like there is one interesting thing i'll note however which is that there's one dude he wasn't the starter um his name is uh, elijah palmer he, he he wears jersey number 28 he wasn't initially the starter he was a backup but against stanford he played really well i think better than both of the starters um and i wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season he winds up taking one of their jobs and maybe he winds up taking somebody's job like like starting on saturday like his performance was so strong um uh, against Stanford, like his film popped man so like watch out for number 28 elijah palmer his problem is he's a little short like I, 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 I can see why the two dudes who start got the start is that they're like three to four inches taller than he is. And Palmer, I mean, he's a better football player. Just like God didn't make him tall enough. Um, but like, man, he's, he's films just so much better. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you see him all over the field, but that's, that's the wrap on their past defense. Um, well, it kind of sounds like, uh, we're not going to know much more about, uh, Oregon after they play Hawaii as we did yeah, when they played Portland state. So yeah, unless uh, I'm uh, hearing uh, or interpreting something that maybe isn't there. I mean, in but- terms of, in terms of making a prediction, it's very difficult to make the prediction because we're so early in the season and we don't really know who Stanford or Vanderbilt are. Like I, Mm-hmm. I mean, both of their offenses last year were really bad offenses. Um, and so the easy thing to say would be Hawaii played mediocre football or mediocre defense against bad offenses. And Oregon, which has a good sure. offense, will tear them apart. That would be the easy thing to say. And frankly, there's a part of me that thinks that that's probably correct. Um, but the other part of me, you know, wants to sound a note of caution. Um, to say like there are reasons to believe that Stanford and Vanderbilt may have better offenses this year than they did last year. Um, and that 
by extension, Hawaii's defense. And I know from watching film, I, I just feel it in my bones from watching them. Like, I feel like Hawaii's defense is better than I was watching last year. So like run them out of the building uh, bad. Like, I don't think that's true of Hawaii's defense. I, I think they're not going to like they finished in the bottom 10 last year. I don't think they're going to finish this year in the bottom 10. So like, you know, like I said, Hawaii, I think is a competently coached team that's going to give Oregon um, you know, uh, is going to put Oregon through its paces. Um, like, I, you know, uh, Oregon's, I don't think Oregon's going to score 81 points on this team. No. Like, I don't think their, their defense is that bad. Um, I, I actually think that they might, you know, give Oregon, you know, a, 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 you know, not a game. I don't really think that's going to happen, you know, or if, or if Oregon isn't like scoring a, a, you know, a lot, it probably has more to do with Oregon, you know, self-inflicted wounds and anything else. But like, yeah. I don't think this is a joke of a defense, not by any stretch of the imagination. I like the way that those guys played and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I think the film clips will demonstrate it. Well, good. Looking forward to the game. Yeah, me too. All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? Yep. Go Ducks. That's the usual. That's about as wise as you can get. All right. Well, uh, it was a beautiful film to watch uh, for the Rainbow Warriors in Hawaii. They're coming to Autzen, uh, uh, where I think the weather is going to hold up. Uh, uh, but, of course, it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>